Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the NCRI Women's Committee Podcast. A few days ago, the world marked the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women on the 25th of November. Just the day before, the UN Human Rights Council held a special session that approved a resolution to form a fact-finding mission to investigate the violations of human rights in Iran. Virtually all delegates in this special session admired Iranian women's courage in leading the protests and standing up to the brutal regime in Iran. These are the days of unity and activism around the world to end violence against women and girls by calling for global action to increase awareness, promote advocacy and create opportunities for discussions on challenges and solutions. Today, we want to increase awareness on the state-sponsored violence against women in Iran and the escalated brutal repression of women in the heat of protests that have been going on for 76 days. The important thing to note is that violence against women has drastically increased during the days of the Iran uprising. The regime's attempts to quash the protest have resulted in irreversible damages and deaths. We've previously discussed how security forces beat protesters in the head, the heavy blows of batons, the butt of the rifle or other heavy objects to the head of the protesters have led to numerous brain deaths, internal bleeding and eventual deaths of protesters either on the spot, in the streets, or later in prison or in their homes. Yes, uh, this was the way they killed Massa Amini in the first place. Then we talked about the cases of Serena Esmailzadeh, Nika Shalkarami and Astra Panahi in one of the previous episodes. But I've learned of many more young women and men who were killed in this manner. Yes, uh, just to name a few of the young women who lost their lives in this manner, there was Arnika Qaymaqami, 17 years old, who fell into a coma due to the heavy blows of batons and died after 10 days. Sadaf Vahedi, 17 years old, was repeatedly hit in the head and chest after a protest in their high school. Sarina Saidi, 15 years old, was shot by pellet guns during a protest in Sanandaj. Then security forces surrounded her to prevent her escape. Then they beat her in the head so much that she died on the spot. And of course, the list goes on. Setare Tajik, 17, in Tehran. Negin Abdul Maliki, 21, in Hamedan. Nasrin Qadiri, 35, in Tehran. Marzie Ziyari, 22, in Shiraz. Pegah Qawasiye, 19, in Shiraz. Parmis Hamnava, 14, in Iran Shah. Maide Javanfar, a 28-year-old nurse in Rasht. Mohak Hashemi, 16 years old in Shiraz, and so on. I also read the sad story of the 16-year-old Hasti Hossein Panahi. She was summoned to the Department of Education for participating in an anti-regime protest at school. There, she was viciously beaten by the authorities. Then they put her on a school bus and threw her off the moving vehicle, claiming that she had attempted suicide. She's still in a coma after nearly one month. 
Yes, the stories of so much atrocities against these young souls are really sad. Yes, very heartbreaking. Now let's move on to another form of violence against Iranian women and protesters. We're reading that hundreds of protesters, including women, are being shot in the eye by security forces. Their pellet guns blind the protesters. Unfortunately, yes. Some protesters don't lose their lives but lose their eyes and can never see again. Uh, There have been uh, reports of various groups of doctors, ophthalmologists, who wrote open letters and announced that hundreds of people treated in medical centers have lost one or both eyes after being shot by pellet guns or paintballs. Who were the women shot in the eye? A few cases have found their way to social media. One of them was a midwife, a nurse by the name of Nilufar Ogai, who was shot in the eye during a protest by doctors in Tehran just last month. A female doctor by the name of Parisa Bahmani was shot and wounded in this same protest and lost her life after three days. But more recently, there was the high-profile case of a young law student in Bandar Abbas, a Persian Gulf port city in South Iran. Her name is Ghazal Ranjkesh. Doctors removed many pellets from her right eye and sewed it up with 52 stitches during a three-hour operation. Ghazal lost not only one of her beautiful eyes, but also a part of her face, was badly damaged by pellets. Why was she shot in the eye? Well, according to a story she posted on her Instagram, she was returning home with her mother after four hours of class and nine hours of work. Apparently, they got caught in the protests and a security officer wanted to shoot her mother, so she moved to cover her mother but was shot in the eye. Wow, isn't this a violation of human rights? Of course it is. Because the security forces' use of excessive force has violated their physical integrity, plus their whole life, work and family environment are severely affected. In one of our previous episodes, we talked about sexual assaults on female protesters in the streets to scare off women for taking part in the uprising. But I recently read about rape in prisons. Unfortunately, uh, these stories are true and really heartbreaking. The use of sexual assault against incarcerated protesters, particularly women, is so extensive that foreign media have also reported it. CNN corroborated several reports of sexual violence against protesters. At least one of these caused severe injury, and another involved the rape of an underage boy. In some of the cases, sources who spoke to the victims told CNN that the sexual assault was filmed and used to blackmail the protesters into silence. I've read about Armita Abbasi, a young 20-year-old who was gang-raped in prison many times. Her case was reported by the medical staff in a hospital. She was rushed to the hospital on October 17. Her head had been shaved and she was shaking violently. The medical staff thought she had cancer, but later it became clear that she was bleeding from her rectum due to repeated rape. You must have also read the plainclothes security forces ordered the doctor to report it as rape prior to arrest. At least four or five medics confirmed that she had been raped in custody. You know, this is happening to both young women and men. This is their way of breaking the prisoners, but the victims are afraid to talk about it. 
the stigma attached to victims of sexual violence also adds another layer of secrecy to what's unfolding. Well, I'm sure what we talked about very briefly is only a small part of the savagery the Iranian protesters and especially women face. And it's so amazing how they continue to fight the regime despite such enormous brutality. That's what's amazing to everyone. These young women and men have the guts to fight this ruthless regime. They say we've got nothing to lose but our chains. They know that being selfless, united and organized is the key to their victory and achieving freedom. They're fighting with open eyes. All of them know that they might not return home once they leave to take part in the protest. They know what awaits them if they get arrested. But they're determined to pay the price and topple this heinous regime, whatever the cost. Thank you for your explanations and thank you everyone for listening. In the coming weeks, we're expecting to see the Iranian regime representative dismissed from the UN Commission on the Status of Women. As we have repeatedly urged the UN since last year, the misogynist Mullah regime is not qualified and does not deserve to have a seat in the CSW. And we believe that Iran's seats at the UN altogether belong to the true representatives of the Iranian people. Ask your governments to push for sending a delegation to visit Iranian prisons and especially talk to female political prisoners. Until the next episode, we wish you the best.